0: Uh, today, I'm going to finish up a uh, series on. Oh, my gosh, I have my glasses on. Oh, that made me feel insecure. Okay. Uh, sorry. I don't like wearing glasses in public. Anyways, um, man, that is pride. Let's pray. <laughs> Let's, Lord, 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 humble us all as we come before your word. Uh, make it not about me or us or a church. Speak to us where we're at, and uh, Lord, may I not be remembered, may the message be remembered, the good parts, in Jesus' name, amen. We're doing a series called, Let the Future Begin, and it's kind of our vision, you know, kind of, man, what does Crosspoint really look like in the future? You know, we want to make more and better disciples for Jesus Christ. What's that actually look like if we were to go five years or ten years into the future? I would say the first thing is it looks like a diverse, growing group of people celebrating Jesus Christ, the single truth. Uh, that, That more and more people... Uh, would be introduced to Jesus through our ministry and that we would all come under the Word of God, that we would taste the Word, that we would uh, address one another in songs and spiritual songs and, and that the Word of Christ would dwell in us richly. So my encouragement to you is celebrate and invite others to come and celebrate. You think about those disciples, they, they went and said, come and see, we found them, come and see them. You got you to gotta see Uh, this Messiah, this Savior, this Jesus Christ. And and so our worship and our celebration, especially on the weekends, is really both for believers and unbelievers. This is a place where cynics and skeptics are welcome to investigate the gospel as we respect one another and we try to make the gospel and the Bible understandable to unchurched people, but we reach out without watering down. And if you're a believer, we want you to be able to celebrate to where you're growing and you're growing in knowledge and you're growing in the word of God. No matter how long you've been following Jesus, that you feel like, hey, when I go to a cross point, man, I'm really, I'm really growing in my faith. I'm growing in my knowledge. We celebrate Jesus Christ. So five years would also look like you and I, having grown in our knowledge of the gospel, celebrate. The second part we talked about last week, we talked about connecting And really connecting in community and just an ever-increasing multiplication of, of really connecting to community, of giving people permission to question our life, to encourage our life, to draw out the very best of us that God has in us, but also to kind of be, to give us accountability as we're walking through life together in community. We primarily do that in life groups. I really feel like life groups is kind of the foundation of really great stuff that happens from there, that good things flourish as we connect in home groups and life groups. And so we got great life groups. And so that's the second part. The third part is, is really go. And that's what we're talking about today. Go and make disciples. Once you celebrate, once you connect, there is something for you to do to help the church to go and make disciples. And really kind of the the idea is that everyone is equipped, every member is equipped to be a minister in the church. The idea is that, that we are not a club It's not a country club. It's not just something, well, I like going there because I have friends there. No, we are friends, but we are are a partnership. Our friendship is rooted in purpose and in meaning. We have a job to do together. And everybody has a job. Uh, One of the things we like to say is that God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. That means that everybody is gifted by God In grace to do something to help build up the body of Jesus Christ. Another way I like to put it is God does not call the gifted, He equips the called. He doesn't look at you and I and say, I wonder if they're talented enough to do something in my church, or I wonder if they're talented enough to, to do something to help the church reach people, or I wonder, wonder, if they, wonder if they got what it takes. No, no, no. In fact, God takes great pleasure in taking weak vessels, little people, don't you say a thing. He likes taking small vessels and doing big things. My mama used to tell me, dynamite comes in small packages. Can I get a hallelujah? God brings dynamite to small vessels. He does strong things through weak vessels so that he gets the glory. That means that it's not about the gifted. It's about people who are equipped by the Holy Spirit of God to do something for the building up of the body of Jesus Christ. You are fearfully and wonderfully made by God and yet in Adam and Eve we've all fallen short of the glory of God we've run from God and yet God's grace tracks us down and we believe in Jesus Christ and we're born again into a living hope and a part of that living hope is now that we are born again he equips us with this spirit to spread the message That that grace would not stop with us, but would spread through us. That we would not be a club that's kind of like, I'm glad we've got this good thing called grace. But we would become an embassy of ambassadors who are equipped in unique and different ways to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. We all have in us a desire to leave a legacy, to, to have influence in people's lives, from our children to our spouses, to our friends, to, to our colleges, to our high schools, where we are designed to want to impact people. And when you have the church, you have the opportunity to impact people, to change people's lives. Steve Jobs, what he say? He said, you know, I want to leave a dent in this world. And some argue that he did. We all now have these stupid phones, these stupid smartphones. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> right? And God says you can do something even more significant. You can leave a dent in somebody's life for eternity because you know what's going to outlast technology people. You know what's going to outlast cars? People. You know what's going to outlast homes? People. You've never met a mortal person, C.S. Lewis said. Everybody lasts forever. Everyone has an eternal life and we get to impact people so that they begin to live for the glory of God in this world. And they're ready for the coming kingdom and the renewal of all things in Jesus Christ. And every single person in the church is equipped, is gifted to do something, to build up the body of Jesus Christ. And so the purpose and my call from God today is really to come and to say to you, fan into flame the gift that God has given to you. I thought about this right before uh, I preached this morning, but I thought about a great passage. I don't have a slide, but listen to it. Second uh, Timothy chapter one verse six, where Paul says to Timothy, "For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands." He's saying to Timothy, "Man, God has equipped you, and what you got to do is you got to fan into flame." I remember growing up and my grandparents had one of those great fireplaces. And I used to love that fireplace and it wasn't one of those like, like cheater fireplaces. Like you had to really build the fire. We put wood in there, you start to spark, you got paper and you light it and then, you, and then there was this big fanner thing. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like a little accordion thing and you and you air it and as, the, as it's fan, that flame, those sparks begin to catch fire. This happened yesterday. I was I was burning leaves yesterday. How many of y'all burned leaves yesterday? Y'all probably did that in the fall I waited till now. But anyways, I burned I had a, a burn pit and I did that and you get the and the wind would kick up and that fire would kick up. And what you and I are called to do in Christ is you're called to fan into flame this desire to help build up the body of Christ. Fan into flame the gift that God has given to you. Fan into flame your desire to give back, to serve, to join the church and to join the teams. The vision, the future is that everybody has a role as we fan into flame we celebrate Jesus in rows, we connect to each other in circles at life groups, we join the huddles of our teams as we fan in the flame the gift of God. You say, well, what's going to be your accordion passage and text that you're going to fan the flame of my gift? Where are you going to go in the Bible to... Why did I do that? I don't know. I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14 is one of the great uh, passages on spiritual gifts. In the Bible, the New Testament talks about that believers are equipped by the Holy Spirit with spiritual gifts, What's different between spiritual gifts and talents is that spiritual gifts are uniquely designed for the church, for the building up of the body of Jesus. Billy Graham said that spiritual gifts are tools to build the church. And everybody in Christ has a spiritual gift. Everyone is equipped in some way to do something to build up the body of Jesus Christ. Now, one of the things about these spiritual gifts is that spiritual gifts are sovereignly given. Everybody say sovereignly. That means the Spirit of God decides what gift you get. The second thing about spiritual gifts is they are seasonally given. Everybody say seasonally. They're seasonally given because they can change depending on where you are and what time of life you're at. And, and, and so God sovereignly, he can change your spiritual gifts in time based on where you're at. So for example, right now, as it stands until you decide, I have the spiritual gift of speaking and being a loud mouth. Can I get a hallelujah? Now one day the church is going to look at me and says, I'm sick of hearing you talk. And they're going to say, you don't get to preach anymore, Right? And I'll probably be like, that's really sad, and yet it's kind of good, because, you know, I'll be probably ready by that time, hopefully, to not preach anymore. But God could change my spiritual gifts in that season of my life. He could give me some new gift based on what I'm supposed to do in the church once my preaching career is done. Does that make sense? So it's not a static thing. It's not like you get a spiritual gift, and that's the only spiritual gift I'm going to have for the rest of my life. It's sovereignly given, and it's seasonally given. Now, the only other thing I'll say about spiritual gifts is that the New Testament lists 22 spiritual gifts. This list is not an exhaustive list. It's a representative gift or a representative list. That means that they represent spiritual gifts. But the passages where you can find these 22 gifts, and I'm not going to teach on all 22 spiritual gifts today. That's when you're like, okay, we'll let you keep preaching, (laughs) But the the passages where you can go and find these gifts are Romans uh, chapter 12, you can find them in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11, you can find them in 1 Corinthians 7, 7, and then you can find them here where we're at in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And and what I do is I break them up, and, and I'm sorry I'm giving you all this information, but I just want to give you enough information to get the context of spiritual gifts, but I break up the 22 gifts into three categories. First, there are speaking spiritual gifts, or what I call loud gifts. Those are are the gifts that everybody hears. The second category of gifts is the serving gifts, or what I call the quiet gifts, right? That's mercy and administration and hospitality and things like that so there's there's these serving gifts that nobody really honestly don't see a lot of the time it's almost thankless but usually when people are equipped with quiet serving gifts they don't want to be noticed my wife's got some strong serving gifts and believe me she doesn't want to be seen she doesn't want to be heard guess who wants to be heard in our family I can't wait to be heard, right? So Sherry's got the quiet serving gifts. I got the loud speaking gifts. And then the third category is spectacular gifts, right? Those are the things like healing, gift of healing, tongues, interpretation of tongues, um, things like that. So, so when you read those, you'll see speaking, serving, spectacular. You're like, what do you have to say about the spectacular gifts? Well, I would say they're spectacular, I don't, I don't think that those gifts are normal. I think they're spectacular. If they were normal, they wouldn't be spectacular, right? So, so when you think about gifts, you're like, well, have they ceased? Have they not ceased? I don't think that's the question. I think the question is, are they really spectacular or not? And so there's normal gifts and there's There's spectacular gifts. There's regular gifts, and there's spectacular gifts. So speaking, serving, spectacular. So I'll let you kind of, as you study the Bible, go to those passages and study those passages, but I want to give you some broad principles, because what I'm trying to do is fan into flame your desire to serve, to discover, to join, to build up the body of Jesus Christ. And how do I fan into flame the spiritual gifts and even acquire an understanding of my spiritual gifts I would say there's two primary ways that you fan into flame your spiritual gifts and participation in the church and you can find those two ways in 1st Corinthians chapter 12 starting in verse 12 let me give you those two ways and start with the first way and the first passage 1st Corinthians chapter 12 verse 12 here's what Paul says He says, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. So he's talking about the church. And he's saying that the church is the body of Jesus Christ. The church, as I just read this from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said that the church is the physical manifestation of the person and the work of Jesus. It's a pretty profound statement maybe debatable but useful for this moment verse 13 it says for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body jews or greeks ethnic diversity slaves or free economic diversity and all were made to drink of one spirit. So there's diversity within unity of Jesus and the spirit. Now watch this, verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, That would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Now, in this text, I think, I think, I think Paul's kind of like me sometimes. Uh, He tries to be funny, but he's not always successful, right? And I think he's trying to be funny because he says in verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? In other words, he's trying to get you to capture. We are the body of Jesus and everybody, imagine a body that's just a big old eyeball. See, it's kind of funny, not really, but it's sort of, he's trying. And then he goes on to say, if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? He's like, imagine a body, it's just one big ear, and it's trying to smell. See, it's not really that funny, but it's effective. Okay, anyways, but what he's saying is he's saying this, everybody in the body of Jesus Christ has a part to play. Some are a hand, some are a nose, some are an eye. And as everyone is doing their part, then the body of Jesus Christ or the local manifestation of the body of Jesus Christ begins to have symmetry, begins to have sense, begins to have smell and sight, begins to have feet that walk and hands that serve when the speaking gifts are operating and the serving gifts are operating and the spectacular gifts are operating when everything's kind of operating together there's symmetry and beauty and the diversity that glorifies God and that advances the gospel of Jesus Christ but here's the thing here's what he's really saying he's saying to this church in Corinth some of you are insecure some of you don't think you belong Some of you are not serving in the church and not using your gift and not coming to understand your gift because you don't think that you're truly equipped or gifted. Did you see what it said? Let's see, look at it. Look at it. Look at verse 14. One more time. I'm sorry. Just one more time. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, I'm not a hand. You see, Eeyore, I'm not a hand. I don't belong to the body. He's such a good hand. And I don't get to be a good hand. Do you see that? He does it again. He says in verse 16, if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, poor me. Don't worry about me. I'm just not an eye. You see what I'm saying? Insecurity. Insecurity. And what was happening in this church in Corinth? Now watch this, so cool. What was happening in this church in Corinth is that there were arrogant people, proud people speaking in tongues and doing the spectacular gifts and they're preaching and prophesying and giving knowledge and they're the preachers and the anointed ones. And they were so arrogant and so presumptuous with their gifts in their sin, they made insecure people sin in insecurity. They made insecure people say, oh, I guess... I guess since I don't have the tongues or I don't have the spectacular gifts or I don't have those, those important scene gifts, I guess, I guess I shouldn't do anything. I'm not a hand. Paul is confronting what I call the sin of insecurity. And why is insecurity a sin? I'll tell you why. Because what makes us right with God is not our spiritual gifts but our Savior. And too many people go to church and they validate their spirituality on how useful they imagine themselves to be or how appreciated they are by other people. Many people go to church to get spiritual strokes. And when they don't get those spiritual strokes, then they feel like God doesn't accept them anymore and they go, I guess I don't belong. And that's sin. And the reason why that sin is because he says, listen, everybody's been baptized into the body by faith in Jesus Christ. What makes you special to God is you've been baptized into the body spiritually because Jesus died and rose again. And you cannot look to your spiritual gifts to measure the heat of your spirituality. Spiritual gifts don't exist for that. The Savior exists for that. And he's saying to insecure people, man, you've got to confront your insecurity. How do you fan into flame your gifts? You confront your insecurity. You say, you know what? Now hang on. I belong to this church. And the reason why I belong to this church is because Jesus gave his life for me. I'm loved by God. I'm more loved than I thought because Jesus loved me. I am accepted by God not because of what I do in the church, not because I join a serving team, not because I use my gift, not because I preach, not because I teach or serve or administrate or do any of those things. I am acceptable to God because of faith alone. That's so important. You know what? That's not only important for you to hear. That's important for me to say because I would never want to pastor a church where you would think that what I'm saying is you're not spiritual until you serve on a serving team. Serving on a serving team has nothing to do with how spiritual you are. Absolutely nothing. What makes you spiritual is you've been baptized into the Holy Spirit because you believed in Jesus. Whether Jew or Greek slave or free, rich or poor, black or white, yellow or, Jesus doesn't save Martians, but you know what I'm saying. I have to look in and go, wait a minute now. I'm loved by God. I belong to the body of Jesus Christ. And serving becomes a manifestation of gratitude, not sanctification. It becomes a platform to express my acceptance. I can't wait to serve, not because I'm trying to feel spiritual, but because I want this grace that I've received to flow through me. Paul is telling the the insecure hand, Paul is telling uh, the insecure ear, Paul is telling the the insecure body parts of the body of Jesus Christ, listen, get secure. Confront your insecurity. Get confident that you're loved by God and that he's got an awesome, awesome purpose for your life. How do I fan in to flame the gift? How do I start getting fired up about serving in the body of Jesus Christ? I confront my insecurity and I say, man, this is not about being spiritual. This is about expressing my spirituality in Christ. Now, here's the second thing. Not only do we have to confront our insecurity, but we have to confront our pride. Look at verse 21. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 21. which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. Now, do you see the change? You can can tell. You can read in between the lines what's happening in this church in Corinth. Because while you had a group of people who are insecure, you had a group of people who were proud. Hmm. The anointed ones. Strutting around, God must really like me because I'm so gifted. People strutting around in the church, treating other people like they're kind of a step below. Has anybody been in a church like that? I hope, hope it's not here. <laughs> Please, Lord Jesus, save us from this. The holy huddle over there in the corner, <laughs> more inspired, more gifted than other people. And they look at other people, and maybe they don't say these words, but they they have a disposition maybe, even a, a demeanor where they begin to say, you know, I really don't need most of these people. I don't need the rest of this. You're like, that's crazy talk. It happens in every church. It happens in every business. It happens in every home sometimes. It happens in families. This is what human beings do, true or false. This is a human problem. It's called sin. It's called pride. And Paul is saying to these proud, spectacular Christians, these super apostles, these these anointed leaders in the church, he's saying, oh, hang on now. You who say, the head that says to the feet, I have no need of you. You better be careful because your usefulness by the sovereign spirit of God is dependent upon the whole body operating in a healthy way. And he even gets awkward. Everybody say awkward. This is a really awkward passage. See, Paul's trying to be funny and he ends up just being awkward. He makes everybody feel uncomfortable. Can I get an amen? Amen. Sometimes preachers do that. They try to be funny and they just make people uncomfortable. That's verse 24. Look at it again, man. I'm going to make you feel uncomfortable because it's clear the Holy Spirit wants us all to feel uncomfortable. He says, which are more present. Oh no, verse 23, sorry. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. Yeah, that's awkward. He's like, what do you do? You have to cover up some parts of the body for modesty purposes. Now, he might not just be talking about like those parts of the body that we don't want to think about. Don't think about that right now. Think instead about the lower intestine or the pancreas, right? Like nobody goes to the gym and says, man, I can't wait to find that machine where I work out my pancreas. I can't wait to find out that machine where I can work my lower intestine, you know what, we, we go to the gym, we work out the stuff that, that comes out when the sun comes out, the guns come out. Can I get an amen? We want to we work out, get our body strong, our chest big and buff, and our, the parts of our body that we want everybody to see, right? And what Paul is saying, he's like, hey, listen, you can go get all buff you want, but if your pancreas and your lower intestine is treated with unhealth, it doesn't matter how strong you get with the guns, your body's going to die. You're going to die. You're going to get an you're going to get unhealthy. My daughter is always asking me, Daddy, show me your babes. She means my muscles. I'm like, stop that and go to bed right now. You know what I mean? Like, But here's the thing. When you have speaking gifts, public gifts, when you have the gifts that are kind of seen by all, Your job is to go encourage those who are doing the quiet gifts and doing the the below-the-line stuff and to honor those modest, more quiet, gifted people because they are as important as the spectacular speakers in the church. Can I get an amen? My job is not to use you for my own platform. My job is to equip all of us to do our part so that the body of Jesus can grow into him who is the head so that he is glorified and I'm not glorified or you're not glorified. We cannot become a personality church. We must be a community. And yeah, man, I want to get up here and preach some spectacular sermons. You bet for the glory of God so that you're inspired to do your part. I want us all to find our part. And Paul is saying to those who are tempted to think that it comes down to them, don't do that. In fact, express humility with your gifts if you're tempted by pride and think, well, it's going to all come down. My team's going to come down to me. No, man. Don't make it come down to you. Go and find somebody. Go and reach out. Go and pull somebody in. I'm always telling our leaders at our sync meetings, listen, our serving leaders, I'm saying, listen, we will announce your team if you need help. But listen, at the end of the day, life group leaders, leaders, go and get the quiet people. You need them. Amen? Go pull them in. Invite them. Ask them to join your team. You go find them, leaders. That's an expression of humility. See, I think, you know, and in the twentieth century, a big battle, you know, big, big, big theological battles. All these, you know, have tongues ceased. You know, are tongues still operational. You know, our, you know, what are we going to say about these things theologically? You know, what Paul's like Paul's like. St- those are stupid conversations because the issue is not about you know whether tongues have ceased or not. The issue is, is the church prepared to be humble, to have a serving heart? to put other people first, to not create platforms of, I figured out, I'm a, I'm a cessationist. That's who I am. I figured this out. And that totally misses the spirit of the text, doesn't it? Or, well, I believe in tongues and everybody should speak in tongues and we're all going to be spiritual around here. Totally misses the text. Paul is saying the secret to being able to handle gifts in a healthy way is to be humble and confident in Jesus Christ and to encourage and edify the body of Jesus Christ. Fan into flame the gifts that God has given to you by confronting your insecurity or and or confronting your pride. Now that brings us to an important question. Is there, okay, I get it. I'm going to confront my insecure, the sin of insecurity because Jesus died for me. And I'm going to confront my, my pride because Jesus died for me. How can I begin to understand myself because I don't know what my spiritual gifts you just talked about 22 gifts and speaking and serving and spectacular how do I know what my spiritual gifts are and I got to tell you there's all kinds of spiritual tests out there you can take and all these things and they're pretty good some of them but I really think that at the end of the day the way that you discover who you are in Christ and how you can serve in the church is to jump in and figure it out in community. Look at verses, look at verses 24 through 26, no, verse 25 and 26. Getting these verses wrong today. 1 Corinthians 12, 25 and 26, and then I'll be done. He says, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Now watch this. If one member suffers, all suffer together. And if one member is honored, all rejoice together. Man, that that little thing right there in verse 26, that is like, talk about dynamite in small packages. That's dynamite in a small verse. Because what Paul is saying is the way you discover who you are in Christ is you get connected to a community and you begin to feel its pain. Everybody say pain. And you begin to feel its joys. You begin to weep. You laugh. You do life together. You connect. And what begins to happen is you begin to understand through crying and laughing, through suffering with the community, through rejoicing with the community, what begins to happen is you begin to understand who you are, who you really are. Not the fake stuff, not the stuff that, that we post all the time, not the imaginary self, but I'm talking about the real identity. When you are celebrating Jesus on the week when everything is going wrong when you're connecting to your life group and you're being broken together when you're praying together when you're calling each other and emailing each other and you're 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 going to the hospital to see somebody and pray over them when you're when you're going to the party or the or the shower for the baby that's about to happen or the wedding or the funeral of a of a life group member who's just lost a loved one when you're sending the cards when you're when you're doing these things you begin to you begin to come to a self-awareness in the spirit. Hey, I've got some speaking gifts or hey I've got some serving gifts or hey I know how to administrate a little party for for a group of people to eat some cake together after the wedding. Paul is saying the way you learn your part in the body is you feel the whole body. What happens when you hit your toe, you stub your toe, you drop the hammer, it hits you right in that perfect spot on your toe. Is it your toe that feels the pain or your whole stinking body? Your whole body, ow! And hopefully you don't cuss because you're Christian. (laughs) You know what I mean? You, 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 You hit the funny bone right here. You hit the funny bone and the whole stinking arm and half this body feel like you just had a stroke. Because the whole body takes part in the feeling, in the sensation, in the nerves. And Paul is saying, and I hate to end this, but it's a perfect way to end the series. How do you do it? You celebrate. You connect. You join a serving team and you, you meet people that way. That's the way it does. And what happens to, to the church, and I've pastored this way, so I understand. I, I really get it. But, but we say, you know, well, you know, how do I serve in the church? Well, find your passion. And then, and then hopefully you won't have to serve on your team any more than once a month, maybe once every eight weeks. And then you can just kind of, you know, then you can say you did your part. Well, you know what? Let's bag that plan. Can I get an Amen. Let's just ask ourselves, what's God calling me to do to help this church? Where do I need to go and feel the pain of the toe getting stubbed or the laugh of a child being born or the whatever? Where do I just need to go? And if my team that I join wants me to serve three out of four weeks, I'm in. Because that's my team, man. That's my church. That's my family. That's what I do. I'm in. I want to feel this church. I want to know this church. I want to, I want to engage this church. This is, this is the one thing in my life that's not a consumer activity or recreational activity. This is the one thing in my life that I actually get to experience life with people as imperfect as it is. Fan into flame your gift. Don't be insecure. You belong here just as much as anybody else. You belong here. This can be your home. doesn't matter where you're at. You don't have to be super spiritual here because none of us are. And if you're proud and you're like, well, I guess I'll do it for everybody. Man, get with Jesus on that attitude. Because if God's calling you to do everything today, then do everything today. And if you take that little and you're faithful with it, he'll start giving you an army of people. You take care of that pride. Well, I guess I'm doing everything and nobody else is. Well, whoop-dee-doo for you. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. Fan in the flame. Confront the sin of insecurity. Confront the sin of pride and leap into the community. That's my sermon. That's my introduction. Here's my sermon. Now, we have, you know, this is the dream team sermon. This is the sermon where I challenge everybody to find a team. And in your bulletin, I have a list of all of our serving teams. I call them our dream teams. And we're trying to move our church from the seats to the streets. And the practical way to do that is to get you in some huddles of some teams in our church. And you've got a list of those teams. And what I challenge you to do, now, I understand that some of you, you're like, man, I have these funky working hours, and I know that there are exceptions to the rule. But for most of us, there's a team we can join or a team we can help. Let me highlight one that's really trying to find some helpers and some servants to help. It's that flower power team. And we need some, we need our grounds taken care of. How are we going to reach people in our neighborhood if they drive by our, our grounds and they look terrible? Who wants to come to a church where where there's no flowers? We gotta have flower power. Can I get a hallelujah? You see what I'm saying? We're not gonna pay money for a bunch of landscapers to do that. We got got able-bodied people who can water flowers. And Marcy is a great leader, and she will take care of you. We need people to help Kate in the nursery. Sherry told me the other day, she said, if I could wave a magic wand, I would do the nursery for the rest of my life because it's the greatest job. You hold babies and you get to cry with the baby and you get to rejoice with the baby and it's a wonderful thing with the babies and you learn about yourself with babies. I know I've got four daughters. You learn. We got, we got, we got teams like that. If you're a musician, talk to Marshall. If you wanna, we got soundboard and slides and Chase gets so sick of following me every week on the slides. Don't you, Chase? You're trying to follow me. You're so tired. See? He is so tired of me. And he's like, you preach these long sermons. You don't do what the slides say you're going to do. You're all over the place. And I get drowsy listening to you up here. we got to help chase out. You know what I mean? And you can talk to Marshall about that. Beloved, we don't have all the programs in the world. So it can't be, well, I'll find something I like. Just jump in where you can and let the Spirit lead you. He will make dreams happen for you as you practice your limitations. One of my first jobs in the church, I became a Christian. I was like, I love Jesus. I was 17. I went from like really stupid, stuck on stupid to loving Jesus almost overnight. And almost like two nights later, I felt called to preach. So I said to my pastor, I want to preach. Will you let me preach in your church? And he said, absolutely not. <laughs> you get to do the transparency slides. Do you all remember transparency slides? Clear transparency. And the, the worship leader would sing the song, and you got to put it on the, on the overhead. And then you got to take the transparency off, and you get the other one. I hated, everybody say hate. I hate it. And you want to know why I hated it? Because my brother was the worship leader. And he led from a keyboard and he did those, he did those minor key Hebrew sound and Christian songs. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Dun, 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 dun. Judah Messiah. You know what I'm saying? We're doing this thing. And I'm, I'm like putting transparencies on upside down, backwards. I'm not getting it right. My hands are all over the place. And he's singing about Jesus and giving me the look like I'm going to kick your butt after church. You know what I'm saying? That was my first job. I had a guy tell me, you want to preach? Go to a nursing home and preach. Go to a jail and preach. You want to teach? Then get a young guy and and get together with him a coffee and teach him the Bible. Because it's not about your platform, man. It's about a community. That's where you learn. We all got to learn together. So it might mean that you gotta do something that you don't like, but you love the people that you're not liking the thing you're doing. The point is, help. Fan in the flame. We are the body of Jesus. It's not a show. It's not a ceremony. It's a community. Serving together. Some of you might be called to open up your home for a life group or lead a life group or who knows what. But jump in, leap in, and learn, fan into flame the gift that God has given to you. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for our church and all that you've given to us, especially in Christ and We just worship you. Thank you that we get to be kind of a, a visible representation of who you are. I have no idea uh, the full mystery of that. I have no idea the full reason why we get to be the ongoing work of you in this world, but I thank you for it. I know it's a good plan because you are a good savior Lord, we are the church, encourage us in our insecurities, really encourage us, and I've often felt so insecure, and I've been grateful for those moments when I've gotten in your presence and you've given me boldness and courage and encouragement from other people to keep going. I also know what pride is. I know what it is to feel way, way more important than I am. And for those of us who are struggling with either one, and maybe in some cases both at the same time, as crazy as our hearts are, help us with that. Lord Jesus, we worship you, and we thank you that really at the end of the day it's about your work for us. You serving us. You came to give your life as a ransom for many as a servant. Thank you for that. Pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.